Please turn with me in your copies of God's Word to the Old Testament, to the book of Leviticus, chapter 16. Leviticus, chapter 16. This is the third book of the Bible. It is the center of the Torah, of the books of Moses, or the law of Israel. And tonight I will attempt to make explicit several connections from the Old Testament to the New. Several connections from the ceremonies of Israel to the cross, to Golgotha. From the priestly work in the tabernacle to Christ's priestly work at Calvary. Leviticus 16 contains the instructions from God himself given to Moses concerning the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. This was the holiest day of the Jewish religious calendar. It's the day on which annual atonement was made for the sins of the entire nation of Israel. Verses 4 and 5 of chapter 16 explain that the ceremonial day begins with the priest being dressed in the appropriate attire. He must first bathe himself to ensure that no impurity remains upon his body. He then dons the garment and a coat, both made of the finest linen, with a linen sash around his waist and a linen turban upon his head. And then in verse 6, Moses explains that the priest must then take a bull and sacrifice it as a sin offering for himself and for his whole house. The priest himself must be made pure. And this procedure is explained in detail from verses 11 to 14. But what I'd like to focus our attention on is what the priest then does on behalf of the nation of Israel for the people of God. It is in this work as priest, as mediator to God on behalf of the people of God, that we see some very clear connections to Jesus Christ on the cross. And so let's read Leviticus 16, starting in verse 15 and going through 19. Hear the word of our Lord. And then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some blood of the bull and blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. Let's make several observations from the priestly work on behalf of the nation. Aaron here is told to kill the sin offering brought from among the people of God. He enters into the Holy of Holies, the most sacred part of the tabernacle, the part that is so holy that only he can enter into it, and only once a year. And in there, he then sprinkles the blood. The text says he sprinkles it on the mercy seat and before it or in front of it and around the mercy seat, thus filling the Holy of Holies with the atoning blood. The blood is there proclaiming both substitution and cleansing. Substitution because we see the life of an innocent one shed 
so that a guilty nation might be spared. The life of the living one given so that the guilty ones, the ones who would otherwise be under the sentence of death, so that they might be forgiven. And this image clearly points us to the greater substitute to come. The substitute that the New Testament reveals as Jesus Christ. Christ's blood was shed in the place of his people. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world through the shedding of his blood. Just like the sin offering that Aaron would give in the place of a nation of sinners. That's why Isaiah will say of him, he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. But this priestly work in the Holy of Holies, this sprinkling of blood also speaks to cleansing. It speaks to purification. That's what's happening in the tabernacle. The nation of Israel had polluted the whole place. They had polluted themselves. They had even polluted the tabernacle itself. But by the, by the sacrifice of another in their place and through the shedding of innocent blood, the place could be made pure again. The pollution could be cleansed. And that's the same work that's attributed to Christ in the New Testament. Hebrews 9 speaks of Christ's work as our great high priest when it says, But when Christ appeared as our high priest of the good things that have to come, he entered once and for all into the holy places, but not by the means of blood and of, of blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. Christ's work on the cross, specifically Christ's blood shed, is the means of securing an eternal redemption. His death on the cross is that substitutionary and cleansing offering made on behalf of a sinful nation in order to purify them. Again, to cite Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed, because the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And to make the connection even more explicit, we can go back to Leviticus and note the specific language that was used. The place where Aaron was to sprinkle the blood was both on and around the mercy seat. Mercy seat could literally be translated the atonement covering. It was a slab of pure gold, the most valuable substance, and it served as a lid to the Ark of the Covenant. This was to be the place where God specially reveals his presence, right above the Ark, right above, right above where Aaron was sprinkling the blood. And the Ark contains the two stone tablets on which were written the Ten Commandments, the ones that God wrote with his very own fingers, which represents the moral obligations of the covenant. All mankind has transgressed those covenants, and especially the Israelites. And thus the sprinkling of the mercy seat was the picture of the covering of their covenantal transgressions by the blood of an innocent one. This golden but blood-smeared cover was a picture of atonement, of cleansing, and of substitution. And all of this took place on the mercy seat. And so with that in mind, hold your finger here in Leviticus... And turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. The New Testament, Romans chapter 3. In Romans 3, we will begin at a well-known verse, verse 23. But keep reading to see a wonderful and explicit connection to the priestly work that's described in Leviticus 16. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood 
to be received by faith. The word here that we need to see that's translated as propitiation in my translation in verse 25 is the word hilasterion, which is the same word used in the Greek translation of Leviticus 16 for mercy seat. What Paul is saying is that Christ's redemptive work, his work on the cross, has become for us the final and perfect mercy seat atonement. Christ's life is the substitution that we need for our sentence of death to be removed. And his blood was the cleansing sprinkling that we need to be made pure. He is our hilasterion. Christ is our mercy seat. And all of this, all of Leviticus 16 with all of the intricate rituals and all of the bloody sacrifices, all of it pointed forward to a coming sacrifice, a final sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice made by Jesus Christ. Christ is our sin offering. He is our purification offering. Christ is our way to be made clean. He is our very mercy seat. And these pictures... These shadows from Leviticus fill out for us the multifaceted nature of Christ's atoning work. We're given greater depth of vision, greater clarity about the nature of his priestly and sacrificial role. And these realities are what we celebrate tonight on Good Friday. Christ is our mercy seat, and because of that, we have his death substituted in the place of our own. And we have his blood shed for our purification. Praise be to God. But there's more gold to be mined back in Leviticus 16. So go back to Leviticus with me, and we'll begin reading in verse 20. Leviticus 16, starting in verse 20. And when he, that's the priest, had made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat. And he will confess over the goat all of the iniquities of the people of Israel and all of their transgressions and all of their sins. And he shall put them, that is the sins, on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is ready. And the goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself in a remote area. And he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. And so after having made the sin offering inside of the holy place with the blood of the slaughtered goat, Aaron would then typify atonement in another way. He would take a second goat, a spotless goat, an unblemished goat given from among the nation of Israel, and he would lay both hands upon the head of this goat. And all the people would hear him confessing the iniquities and the sins of the nation. It was surely a solemn occasion. Aaron would thus symbolically transfer all of the sinfulness, all of the guilt, all of the impurity, all of the defilement from the people of God onto this scapegoat. And then, having confessed the sins and laid them upon the head of this goat, the goat thus stood alone, laden with the curse, bearing the weight of the curse of sin. And a man would come and lead the goat out, outside of the tabernacle of God's presence, outside of the camp of fellowship with God's people, outside of protection and communion, into the barren, lonely, dangerous wilderness. It was led to its death. And the wrath against the sins of Israel will now land squarely upon this creature in the desert, rather than landing upon the people of God. Thus the removal of sin and the curse was pictured for God's people. But this is not the last time in Scripture that such a transfer of guilt and removal of sin was done. 
Christ himself is pictured as our scapegoat in the New Testament. Hebrews 13, verses 11 and 12 speak to this reality when it says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, they're burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside of the camp in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. What the author of Hebrews is saying is that Christ was our scapegoat. Just like Aaron put his hands upon the head of the goat and transferred the guilt of sin and the curse, so too did Christ bear the very image of the curse, thorns upon his head. He bore the wrath of the curse that was earned for us. He carried the sins that we had committed. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, just like the innocent scapegoat, to be sin. So that in him we might be made righteous. Christ was our scapegoat. Christ also suffered and died outside of the camp. Just like the scapegoat. He was led outside of the gates of Jerusalem. And the sins of a sinful nation were transferred to him. Just like the goat. He was led outside of the place of God's special presence in the temple. Outside of the safety and protection of the camp. Left to suffer and to die alone. And all of this was done by Christ in our place. He suffered outside so that we might have access to God's sacred presence. He was forsaken by God so that we might have the veil torn down. The veil that was separating us from God's presence in the most holy place. We can now enter because of our scapegoat. Because he was our scapegoat, we now have access to God. Our high priest has finally and forever completed his work of atonement. Forever opened up access for us to enter into God's presence. And forever taken the curse and the guilt from us. That's the good news of the gospel. That he bore upon his head the guilt that we all had earned. And he thereby destroyed the curse of death that hung over our heads. Believers, be encouraged this night by reflecting upon our faithful scapegoat. The goat took the sins of the guilty people of God and carried them outside of the camp. Never to be seen again. Never to be mentioned. Never to be brought up against them again. And so too has Christ borne your sin and removed it from you. You're no longer guilty. You're no longer defiled. You're no longer impure. You're no longer crushed under the weight of the curse. You're no longer unable to access God. You're no longer in Adam who himself was cast out of God's presence in the garden. But instead you have Christ as your new head. Forever securing your ability to dwell with God. Praise be to God for our mercy seat of substitution and cleansing. And our great scapegoat of purification and forgiveness. And if you have not yet tasted of this forgiveness. If you're still guilty. Still marred by sin. Unable to enter into God's holy presence because of your defilement. Then hear of this great sacrifice that was made. Know that this offer of forgiveness and atonement is available to you. If you but come and believe. Believe in this Christ. Believe in this glorious high priest. Believe in his atoning work. Believe that he really was the propitiation made for our sins and the sacrifice made that we might be cleansed. For if you believe, you too can celebrate the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing of a defiled conscience, and the rest that can only come by knowing that your sins have been removed as far as as the east is from the west, and by resting in the work of our great scapegoat who was led outside of the camp in our place. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for the work of Christ, our great mercy seat, our great scapegoat, 
who bore our sins and took them with him to the grave. And they can no longer be counted against us. We have been cleansed. We have been purified. We have been made righteous because his righteousness has been given to us. And because he has died under the curse that we had earned. Help us to never forget this and to trust in you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.